Hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of We Belong. I'm Yasmina Wiran and I am your host and today we are joined by Maimuna Jalo from Luxembourg. Maimuna is a professional in the education sector and I'm very happy to have her here today. So welcome Maimuna. Hi everyone. Thank you for inviting me Yasmin. Of course, thank you so much for uh, for being with us today. Um, so, Maimuna, you have such an interesting story because uh, you actually lived in um, several countries in Europe. I mean, you were born in Portugal, right? Yes, exactly. So, can you tell me a bit more about your story? Where did you grow up and how did you land to Luxembourg? So, I was born in Portugal. Both of my parents, they are from Guinea-Bissau, and my mother, she decided that she wanted a better future for all of us. So she went to Portugal, she had me, and then afterwards there was a big crisis in Portugal, so she wanted even a better future, and then we just came to Luxembourg. And I've been living in Luxembourg since I was three years old. Well, I think... Um the term ambition is something that you know oh like often um uh, characterizes the stories of migration so your mom wanted a better life for you um for you know your family um and uh, you first landed in portugal and then you arrived in luxembourg um how was for you um arriving to luxembourg at three years old did you learn the language quickly I have learned, my experience coming to Luxembourg as a child was at first very pleasant because I was always integrated in the Luxembourgish system. So that always allowed me to uh, learn the language properly. And also because my stepfather is Luxembourgish. So I also had the, the privilege of speaking the language at home. And then afterwards, as I grew older, And as I understood more about life, that's when I realized that my life as a black woman in Luxembourg was not as easy. And that's when I started noticing the different prejudices which were thrown against me. You say at the beginning it was very pleasant. What happened then? Maybe growing up, was it at school that you started experiencing some uh, yeah, uh, difficulties and discrimination probably? Yes, school was definitely the problem, the root of the problem. I always say to people that school is your first introduction to society. So me going to school and facing racism, not only from the children, but also from the, from the teachers, it definitely made a mark on me. I've always received comments, and then when I wanted to complain about the comments, nobody did anything about it. So I always had to learn how to have a thick skin. Mm. And um, we belong for us, it's very important to unpack stereotypes and especially knowing how to speak to people that come from a different background. So um, we have been covering a series called um, Why This Is Not A Compliment. So mentioning some of the Um, sentences that we hear uh, that are very inappropriate and people maybe don't think that they are but then educating them is very important mm -hmm. so 
in your experience, what were some of the sentences that, that you were said? Um, some of the sentences that I'm going to start with, like, a backhanded compliment. A lot of times people told me that I speak very well Luxembourgish for an immigrant. And I always reply to them, of course, I speak well Luxembourgish because my stepfather is Luxembourgish and I speak the language at home. Or that I was very smart for an immigrant or that I was lucky to go to a very prestigious high school. And it was always a compliment, but it was also kind of an insult at the same time. So you never really knew if you, sh if you should say thank you or if you should just look at the person and ask yourself, what are you actually talking about? But as you grew older, I just learned how to deal with the situation. Yeah, the, the sentence, you speak well this language, you know, for, um, um, for your background, we hear it so much in different countries. So it must be bothering because people might think that, you know, this is a compliment. It's actually not. Exactly. Um, yeah. And... Um, Yeah, how did you cope with it? Like, you say, okay, you had this experience of maybe people being trying to be nice to you. Uh, I know that also sometimes they weren't really nice, and this came also from teachers. So how, um, yeah, what did they say to you? Um, I think my first memory that I have of, neg of having negative comments was when I was in my first grade, the children always called me chocolate pudding. You know, it was, I was never addressed by my name. I was always addressed by chocolate pudding. And, you know, at first you say, oh, chocolate pudding, you know, everybody likes chocolate pudding and it's fine. But then when you see that people are making fun of you because of the way that you look and your, your phenotype is becoming a matter of a joke, that's when you really start questioning your position in society. And then I also, multiple times I went to my teachers and I complained to them about it. And I said, you know, I know that the word might not be very offensive to you, but to me it is offensive because it's a constant reminder that I do not belong. And I would like for you to have a conversation with your children, but I, they always refuse to help me because in their mind, Chocolate pudding is not an offensive word. So I always had to navigate, I always had to pick and choose my battles. I always had to choose which is the best offense in order for me to go to the teachers and complain about it. And it must be quite exhausting because as you say, you're just there, you're just existing and your presence um, makes you the object of Um, mockeries and you know people just uh, having fun of you um, so I think that also the fact that you didn't have much support from the teachers is super problematic because at the end of the day you want to um, yeah you want to make people understand that uh, this is actually insulting and if you feel like it is it should be um, heard and people should listen and, and understand your point of view. And, uh, you know, what I found very curious about your, uh, your experience and story is that you actually decided later to work in the education sector. 
Mm-hmm. So was this because of what you experienced or was it a totally independent choice? It was because I have realized in the recent years how much representation is needed. And representation matters because you want to have a teacher that is going to understand the issues you're going through and is going to try to make a difference. You know, when I I always tell myself, if I have a child coming to me and is going to tell me, hey, teacher, you know, my Muna, somebody called me chocolate pudding. I want to be that person that understands the child and I want to go have a long conversation with the children in the classroom why this is unacceptable and why you shouldn't do this, that there are different races, different ethnicities, and that it's a normal thing and nobody should be judged about it. So I definitely think that was a big, big motivator why I decided to go into the educational system because it was my experience in school really, really marked me heavily. And until today, I still think about it and I can see how it totally influenced my worldview. Well, that's, that's very powerful for, from you to say because people might not realize how just a joke can impact you so um, deeply and throughout the years. So you made it your mission and I'm happy that, um, you know, through your work, um, you want to do things better so that, you know, what you face, people would not face it. How would you describe um, yeah, the educational system right now uh, in Luxembourg? Um, I would describe the Luxembourg system as exact same as when I left it. You know, mm. there's still a lot of issues going on. And for anyone who's not familiar with the Luxembourg system, you have... Your primary school is from the first grade until the sixth grade. And then afterwards, when you go to high school, you the children are segregated. So you have four different sections. And you are delegated into different sections depending on what grade you achieve in your last year of primary school. So we have the Lycée Classique. So the Lycée Classique is the best high school you can do. And majority of people that will go to the Sea Classic are Luxembourgish people. And then foreigners, they will put in the lower level of high school because they do not understand the language. And I think that is something that is very unfair because I know a lot of people who are very smart in math, in physics, in, in chemistry, and they are not given the same opportunity just because they do not speak the language. And I think that's the main issue in Luxembourg. It's just that people... They are very penalized just because they do not understand the language. And I don't think that a language is really a marker of intelligence and greatness. Yeah, I totally understand. And especially because this only creates more inequalities. Um, they reflect in society then. So um, we know Luxembourg as a you know, country with a lot of diversity. But at the end of the day... Um, there is still an educational gap from what I hear? Yes, exactly. There is a big educational gap. And what people do not understand is the link between the educational gap and then the socioeconomic status afterwards. You know, If you have a big educational gap, people might not be able to get into a good university or people might not get be able at all to go to universities. And that also 
continues and perpetrates that vicious cycle of poverty in in immigrant communities. And it's yeah. not an issue that a lot of Luxembourgish people, they want to have. They need to realize that segregating people through two languages is also kind of promoting poverty. People need to understand that the school system in Luxembourg is in German, mm. you know, meaning that if you are coming from Senegal and you speak French, your child is six years old, your child might not be able to enroll in a public Luxembourg school just because of the fact she does not speak German, mm. you know. So if you already speak Luxembourgish at home, it gives you a big advantage because Luxembourgish is not far away from German. So these kids, they will learn German very, very fast. It's not like me. Me, I spoke Creole and Portuguese at home. Creole and Portuguese have nothing to do with the Germanic language. Your daily commitment, you know, in teaching to students, you try and, and change the things. So do you have a story that particularly touched you of a, a student that you... Um, that you were teaching to? Um, yes, there is one story that particularly touched me. So we live in, in Luxembourg. So Luxembourg is a Christian country. And this child, she's uh, from Tunisia and she's a Muslim. And one day she came crying to me because she did not understand why nobody made a gift for her for Eid, for the end of Ramadan. Because she was always forced to do gifts for Eastern, Christmas, all of the Christian holidays. But nobody ever took a moment to sit down with her and actually make a gift for her parents for Eid. So that's when I also, I myself, I'm a Muslim. And then I had to think about my childhood. And I said, oh, that's true. I've never was able to make a gift for my mom for, for Eid. So then I just took her with me and we sat down and we just made a gift for her and her parents, you know, and she thanked me and even her parents came to me and told me, we will, we are living in this country for 10 years. No one has ever thought about making us a gift for Ramadan. So this is something we will never forget for the rest of our lives. Yeah, it's difficult, you know, to see some uh, openness towards, you know, others' festivities, um, but I'm happy that you made, you made this child, uh, you know, content with, uh, um, with a gift that uh, she's used to give to others but never received, so for once she can at least do a gift for her family. One more question for you is um, maybe talking to the young Maimuna, so your little child, <laughs> Uh, the version of yourself uh, that was bullied and mocked, what would you tell her? Wow, that is a very good question. I would tell her there is power in my ancestry. There is a lot of culture and heritage in my ancestry. And I should be proud of it and I should embrace it. And that mm -hmm. one day people will come to me because I look the way I, I look. People will want to have conversations with me and people will want need to help them because of the way I look and because of my ancestry and that I should never try to assimilate this European views just because I want to be accepted and there is beauty in difference mm. and that, that difference is absolutely needed for society to progress 
Yeah, I totally agree. And that's a beautiful way of saying it. And especially as what I hear is for a long time you were ashamed of who you are. And now you feel like I want people to embrace it because I can be myself without needing to comply to any, you know, standard. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's very inspiring uh, to hear. In my childhood, when I went to school, obviously I speak a different language at home. So I, I had an accent when I spoke French. And my French teacher once told me, tu parles français comme un petit nègre. So mm. translating in English means, yeah, you basically talk French like a nigger. I'm sorry for my, for my harsh words, but this is the translation. And I was always very ashamed of my accent. And I remember that it really marked me because this happened in the classroom. So mm. it was an absolute, I felt absolutely violated because this person was mocking where I come from. You know, yeah. of course I'm speaking with a, with an accent. I'm not from here. I'm from a different part of the world. And you cannot expect people to have the same accents when people come from different parts of, from the different corners of the world. Yeah, and the most shocking is using the N-word. So, uh, whereas it is not normal to use that word. Yes, and I, and I mean, the mm -hmm. irony that it's a teacher who tells you that, you know, and then it, it also drives another question, how much do teachers influence children? How much of the racism do teachers teach the children as well in the classroom? You know, I've had one class when we were talking about stereotypes and my teacher told me, oh, my Muna, can you come in front of the classroom and show how big your lips are? Wow. You know, and it was something, she said it so calmly and so confidently that I think that was the thing that shocked me the most than the, than the request itself. It was how comfortable she was with asking me something like that. So I also felt violated in that instance, you know. And yeah. when I went to talk to her and tell her, you know, this is not okay, she said, oh, no, but we are talking about stereotypes. And you do have big lips. And I just want to, to, to teach the children what stereotypes are. And I kind of had to give her lessons about what, what's wrong with the stereotypes. That oftentimes stereotypes, they set precedent, precedent for something negative. You know, I told her, you just want to present me to the classroom to show what stereotypes are. But like my ancestors, my female ancestors, they were put in human zoos because of the black features they have. You know, yeah. what she did is basically the same thing. Exactly. And putting you on the spotlight. I mean, how old were you? I was 13, 13, 14 at that time. It's really shameful. And it's important to mention those experiences because, I mean, I bet that you're still impacted. It's uh, it's like something that you, you keep with you, you know, when you're... You're just a, like a, teen, a teenager. You're trying to navigate your um, your identity, um, and then you're suddenly reminded that you just are different. Exactly. Uh, and, and in a way that is very inappropriate, um, and it's tough, right? Because at the end of the day, it's a long run. Yeah. Like as you say, there is still many things that need to change, um, but yeah, we need to stay hopeful, right? Yeah, definitely. And 
to anyone listening, if you have any goals or visions or dreams that you want to achieve, go for it. You should mm -hmm. definitely go for it because there will be a person that will need a person like you who's, that in that, who's in that position. I was called in a, in a classroom chat, I was called a slave. Mm. They told me that I was, my existence is not relevant because I was bought for five cents, you know, and that uh, I shouldn't be in this country because uh, I shouldn't be free at all. I'm just a slave. And when I went to the headmaster to talk about it, he told me that he cannot do anything because it's basically freedom of speech, you know. But then I asked myself the question, if the headmaster would be black, would have with the conversation would it have turned differently? And I definitely think so. So mm -hmm. representation truly does matter. Yeah. And it is important. It is. It is, absolutely. And that's, uh, that's why stories like yours um, matter to us. We want uh, this to change. And it starts with um, sparkling conversations, talking about it, and not being ashamed of reminding people that this is not okay at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I heard um, the go for it, and I think we can maybe end with this this advice for others to go for it. To um, maybe perhaps, Maimuna, do you agree with me? Despite um, the experiences that you faced, you found a way to turn them into something positive for others, right? Exactly, hmm. and that is what's the most important thing and that is where our power as immigrants holds it's the fact that we are able to go through what we went through and we try to ask ourselves what did that experience teach us and we try to make it better definitely beautiful thank you so much Maimuna. thank you for having been with us very welcome thank you for having me thank you This was the end of our episode. If you liked it, please share it. You can find us on all platforms and social media. Bye!